Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash the movie wave. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Audibletrial.com slash the movie wave. Um, well, I wanted to make a, just um, a movie based in this novel. Then I discovered that I that I wanted to tell my own story yeah, based in a little part of the novel that it, it was a terrible thing, something very awful. Then I, I mean I'm interested in this genre and then I try to make my own horror movie which is not a horror movie, it's something else. It's time to dive in the dirty waters of film criticism. Tricycle Radio presents The Movie Wave with Sergio Calvo. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of The Movie Wave. I am Sergio Calvo, Motion Arts Feature Editor of Tricycle Magazine. And joining the show today, we have our regular guest, film critic Susanna Marchant. Hello, Susanna. Hello how are you doing? You Hi, right? I am fabulous. Yes, good, good, good to have you back on the show. Uh, unfortunately, George won't be able to join the show for some time uh, as mm. he's right now working outside the UK and uh, he's pretty busy. But he mm-hmm. promised he will be back. So for those those fans of George that are a bit like worried, don't worry, he'll be back. He'll be back soon. <laughs> and we are back as well. We are back after a long summer break and uh, we have plenty of great news actually. First of all, I am very proud to announce that the movie Wave has been nominated for the European Podcast Award 2011. And uh, you can now vote for our show by clicking on the link that we provide at our website, themoviewave.podbean.com or uh, going to our Facebook page. Uh, your vote and your support will help us uh, promote the show and keep doing what we're doing, which is exploring and analyzing and discussing this uh, magnificent art of cinema and sharing our love uh, for uh, movies with, uh, with you, dear listeners. And uh, I would like also to announce that Tricycle Magazine goes now digital. And the best of all is that uh, it's absolutely free. Uh, so from uh, the 1st of October, you can read Tricycle Magazine at tricycle.co.uk, free. Now, um, let's get on with the show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Pedro Almodovar's latest film, The Skin I Live In. Uh, it's a thriller starring Antonio Banderas and Elena Anaya. But bef- before we get there, and uh, as we always do... Uh, we're going to start talking about the films that we've been watching lately. So what have you been watching lately, Susanna? Well, I have been desperately trying to finish the Decalogue. <laughs> As you'll remember, I was trying to do that. Um, and I did. So um, number nine and number ten um, are done. All right. Um, so what, what number are you on now? So I, I watched number, ten, number nine and number ten. Okay. Um so, so you um, don't, of course, because it's a decalog. <laughs> it's only 10. Well, <laughs> Thanks, God. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I wish there were more. It's really, really sad that, you know, he's no longer alive to make more films because uh, they were all brilliant. Um, but the, the decalog's definitely depressing. <laughs> it could be it could be 100 films. You could call it uh, the centalog or I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> But um, yeah, um, so so I saw those two. Um, they definitely, I mean, the, the last one I think upset me to such an extent that I had to pause for a while, go and you know make myself tea and stuff. Um, 
Um, uh, it's it, hmm. well, number nine is. I think it goes something like the the shalt not covet your neighbor's wife or something along those lines. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, it's a story of a man who um, uh, he he get he becomes impotent, um, and he finds out from his doctors that he'll never be able to have sex with his wife ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, that was before the invention of Viagra. <laughs> so he he basically comes home and he thinks that he owes to his wife um, a divorce at least or some sort of a um, offering. Yeah, he he owes his freedom. he owes his wife a lot. Uh, well, cause, because because he he feels that she's you know still very young and she she can go and look for somebody else if she wants to. And like she says, no, I won't. Don't want to do it because what we have is too too good to um to waste. And so he kind of offers a little bit that that kind of a way out that maybe she should have somebody on the side. And she says, oh no, I can never do that. But then he starts getting suspicious and starts following her and um listening in on her telephone conversations. And so he gets really, really paranoid and he, he kind of starts basically trying to get into her head. Um, even though he he wanted her um, to go and kind of have sex with other men or one yeah. or whatever, it, it turns out that actually he probably doesn't. <laughs> because he gets really, really paranoid. So, so that was that was interesting. Because I mean, on one hand, you've got you know, marriage is, as as she pointed out in that film, is is a bit more than that. But at the same time, it is a big part of a marriage. And if if you can't, if you know that you can't ever be intimate with your husband or your wife ever again. Then you know what kind of an impact does that have on your relationship? I thought that was that was very interesting. And, it kind of reminds um, me a bit of the the story of uh, Lars von Trier's uh, Breaking the Waves. Absolutely, I thought about the same thing. But in that absolutely. in that case, they do agree that she can't have sex with all the men. Yeah, but I mean, she was pushed into it, wasn't she, yeah. by him? Yes, yes. In that film, but that was all. Oh, that it, was. It was, that it was kind of for him to satisfy his uh, fantasies or something like that. Because yeah, absolutely. He ended up in a. In, he, he couldn't move. He ended up in bed. And, uh, yeah. Uh, don't remember much. It was but, definitely uh, more to satisfy him than her because she yes, didn't want to yeah, do it. Exactly. Um, but he kind of pushed her to it. It was oh, that was that was even more depressing than the ecologist <laughs> Lars von Trier. He is a master of depression. After I watched, He's, his- he was depressed not long ago when he made the uh, Antichrist. Oh goodness me! Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, I don't know. Every time I watch one of his films, I I really need a couple of days to, to kind of get to to recover. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's really. I mean, oh, what was the, the? I think the one that hit me the most, um, dog. Uh, what was that? The was what, dog one, one of the Dogma ninety five films. Um, no, 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 it was. That's the the idiots could it be idioterne. No, no, no. Or it was a town. Dogville. It was a town, Dogville. Thank okay, you. Okay. Yeah. That one. I don't know why, but that one. Absolutely, that one was the worst. And the the problem with films like that. I mean, Decalogue or Lars von Trier films. If they show them on TV. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know anymore because I don't have the telly. But if they ever did before, it was always very late at night. Yes. So yeah. I would have to stay up until I don't know, like one o'clock in the morning or something, 
to be able to watch those great, great films, and then it's three o'clock in the morning or later, and you you're absolutely exhausted mentally and physically, but you can't sleep because you're thinking about all those things that you just were exposed to. It's oh, it, I don't know. I mean, I suppose you know, you, you the, the good films are always shown late at night, which is. Yeah, this is why you know. Okay, so you don't you don't get that on daytime TV, although it's also no. as depressing as the night time. I guess <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching yeah. on one of these uh, chat shows or whatever they call it. No, <laughs> do you? Uh only if I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, I don't know. Uh, interesting. Anyways. So yeah, so I saw that one, and absolutely, yeah, that was definitely um, interest- interestingly linked to uh, Lars von Trier. Anton Budelmeira. Po Holandersu, Spania. Pamięta pan coś? And then the Decalogue 10 is um, about basically coveting everything else that belongs to your neighbor. Um, and that one was, um, if that that one was, I mean, obviously they're all very good, but this one did upset me at some point, one point so much that I had to actually stop it. It was a story of two brothers who um, inherit, uh, from their father, they inherit a collection of stamps. They were never close to their father. Um, they never really loved him. Um, because of him, they had to live in poverty because every all the money that he ever made or borrowed um, went into his collection of stamps. Yeah. And um, they inherit the collection. It, like his flats got alarms, you know, bars, uh, padlocks, everything, because the collection is immense. It's really vast. It. it, it it's basically two closets full of albums uh, filled with stamps. And they're not really sure. I mean, they're not sure if they're worth anything. Um, so they take them to kind of be evaluated and and somebody basically tells them, look, some of those stamps are really valuable. Like one of them can buy you a flat, oh right? <laughs> and um, so they kind of decide they wanted to sell them, but they were told this is your father's life collection basically do you really feel like yeah. you can rip it apart and it's like sell his like legacy that? or something exactly so they decide not to sell it and then they slowly get paranoid they start installing bars in the windows they buy a big dog to kind of guard the collection mm-hmm. um and then they start thinking about maybe expanding on it um and it, it gets to such extremities where um, in that world, the collectors, at, after a certain point, they don't want to sell and buy the stamps. They want to exchange them because those stamps are worth so much money that it's much easier to just exchange one for another rather than than pay money for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of them, one of the brothers, wants to get a, a, a stamp that would finish because there's like a collection of three stamps, and they only have two. Their father never managed to get the third one. And the third one is like the only one in Poland. And it was found by someone somewhere, you know, 
stolen or whatever. And they are offered that stamp, but only if one of them sells his kidney. Oh. So basically, he has to, has to trade. decide. Yeah. He has to decide to trade his kidney because a, a person is dying to trade his kidney for that stamp. And it just, you, you you kind of get you know from it's really interesting to see the the slow progression of a character from somebody from from two people who who never really cared about their father and never really loved him that much and didn't really care about his his collection just wanted to sell it and get rid of it to becoming slowly engrossed in 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 collection in 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 kind of getting more stamps and and protecting the collection and then getting paranoid and obsessed with stamps from somebody who never cared about those two, so something were, were like they, that. Was, were they protecting the stamps because they knew it was worth money, or they were they just yes. wanted to protect it because it, it belonged to to their father? No, they they wanted to protect it because they were becoming paranoid because they they believed everybody wanted it. Right. They thought they thought anybody would just kill for those. So I they know start- I know what you mean. Like when you have something yeah. and everybody wants it, you get more protective about it. Absolutely, and so they're getting more and more paranoid. It was really interesting to see that kind of, you know, slow change in their mindset from n- not caring to to giving up your kidney yeah. for a stamp. You know, yeah. that was that was definitely very so. So that 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 one point where they kind of offered that and they um, consider getting a kidney, you know cut out of your body for a stamp I just had to get up and go and make myself tea and just kind of walk <laughs> around for a bit I just thought for goodness sakes <laughs> um, so have uh, some uh, nice kidney for dinner <laughs> <laughs> oh so yeah so that was that, that was definitely I mean I think it was a good one to finish with I mean to be honest all of them are definitely very very to, to, to finish on a high note Yes, oh definitely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, they were all great. I think number seven was my least favorite because I thought it could have been um, developed a bit more. But I mean, they were all absolutely fantastic. And I mean, I'm I'm so happy I saw them all because I, I, I do remember seeing, you know, two or three beforehand and it was just kind of when I managed to catch them at one o'clock in the morning somewhere on TV but i you know i got the dvds finally and i thought you know this is worth it it it's it's a really it's a really worthy thing um to see and and i'm just kind of you know surprised that it's not more widely known but it's 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 really it's really worth it that's, it's, that's an accomplishment that you finished the decalogue she get a, she get a medal or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or a certificate <laughs> no definitely um no it's an award in itself you know um <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's worth it you should definitely see them i i, I highly recommend them I, i will see them i might not be commenting on them in the in the show because i think we had a lot of uh, kids low skill already or yeah, I, i might so we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see what happens i might, I might get very very in, in, engaged with uh, his yeah. movies uh, I've seen ve- very little of him I've seen um, I think it was Red or one of these yeah. uh, Three Colors trilogy films yeah, uh, yeah I think he was nominated for an Oscar for Red yeah yeah. which was which was how he finally got noticed which was incredible because I mean he, he he made many films before and he was kind of 
you know, known in, in Central Europe and Eastern Europe, but yeah. the Western world totally ignored him. And then he got nominated for an Oscar for Red, and he died very soon afterwards. So that's what, really that's what happens. I mean, you, you get nominated for an Oscar and you get noticed, and that's what, that's, <laughs> that's what, that's what happened to Almodovar as well. But we, we get there. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Right. Have you got any other films to talk about, or? Uh, no, no. What have you seen? Well, I've I have seen lots of films since the last time we talked on the show. But don't worry. I'm just going to concentrate on uh, three of them. Uh, two of them shortly, starting with Super Eight. Be good for you to spend some time with kids who don't run around with cameras and monster makeup. We're filming tonight, midnight, okay? Don't forget. I won't. Over. And action! Definitely the blockbuster of the summer. Uh, you probably heard it from a, a lot of people. Well, the blockbuster maybe of the year. Now I'm not, I'm not a big fan of blockbusters. Uh, may, maybe because they are mostly crap. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if, if if we think about it, I used to love blockbusters. In fact, they used to be pretty good. You know, uh, th- this film in particular is a, a homage to the. How do you say you say homage or homage or? Homage, I think. Okay, so it's paying tribute to the Spielberg films of the late 70s and the early 80s, uh, the films that uh, capture our imagination, uh, that brought a lot of excitement and emotion to the to movie theater. Well, that's the way I felt when I was a kid. And uh, now, uh, um, I don't think it is as good as you've been told, probably, but it's, n- it's, it's not easy to recreate the movie magic of those classics today. In fact, uh, not even... Steven Spielberg can do it. You just think of the crystal skull. But uh, I think J.J. Uh, Ad- Abrams, uh, the, he's the guy who made, um, he, did he make Lost, the t- TV series? Uh, he created Lost and he directed the Star Trek, the movie, the new movie. And uh, I think he made, uh, did he make Mission Impossible 3? Uh, sorry, Mission Impossible 3. Um, I think he does a pretty good job, and it's definitely entertaining and fun. Uh, and it's got this uh, this sweet and nostalgic flavor as well. So, uh, I, I would recommend to watch it, and I, I do think it's the blockbuster of the summer. But it's not a lot to say because comparing this to Transformers Three, <laughs> easily the blockbuster of the okay. summer. <laughs> and I, I don't tend to watch uh, superhero movies anymore because I got pretty bored of them. So mm-hmm. uh, Super Eight, Super Eight is the blockbuster. Uh, there is another film. Um, it's called "Bomb Wonderful Presents: The Greatest Movie Ever Sold," okay. and it, this is uh, a film by uh, Morgan Spurlock. Uh, you might be familiar with him if you if you've seen "Super Size Me." Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the guy who who made "Super Size Me," and uh, this time he explores the hidden commercials in films. That's oh, why okay. that's why uh, they call uh, product placement. 
Yes, yes. And he does it by uh, pitching his own movie to product companies, trying to get money to fund mm -hmm. his new film with uh, some sponsors. And uh, the film talks a little bit about selling off and uh, or or how you compromise the artistic value of, uh, of your film uh, by basically selling off big time. <laughs> <laughs> So what I want to do is make a film all about product placement, marketing, and advertising, where the entire film is funded by product placement, marketing, and advertising. The goal of this whole film is transparency. You're going to see the whole thing take place from beginning to end. Morgan is an idiot, and he thinks all of Americans are idiots, and all the people who sponsored this film are idiots. <laughs> What we want to try and do is create what is the Iron Man of documentaries. Everything from top to bottom is branded from beginning to end. First time ever, documentary with collector cups. They're going to be on that like a wet t-shirt. Is there a plot? Liz, this is the movie right now. I think the thing to do is go get a client. Can we please get Mane and Tail to be the sponsor? What are the words that you would use to describe Ban? Ban is blank. Where should I be able to go where I don't see one bit of advertising? S to sleep. Uh, so he he he's in the game, and uh, it's I think it's very clever and uh, ironic and funny, and uh, but not not as fulfilling as Super Size Me, or uh, mm -hmm. at I would say maybe I should say not as filling. <laughs> anyway, mm -hmm. it's it's still uh, an interesting and uh, insightful look at the the most commercial side of the film business. Uh, moving on to the next film is The Tree of Life, Terrence Malick's uh, new film. And uh, this is a film I wanted to talk about uh, for uh, this episode, actually, but uh, we couldn't we couldn't record it and uh, we had to postpone it. And now I, I thought it was just like, uh, it's been a while already since it was, since mm -hmm. the film was in theaters, but I still want to talk about it because uh, uh, it, it is actually the most talked about film of the year. And it has, Uh, what I found interesting is that it has divided audiences uh, so much because they are the ones who, who think that it's a very pretentious and self-indulgent film and they are, they are the ones who absolutely love it and uh, uh, the film is a philosophical meditation on life and uh, it, it is said er very early in the film that there are two ways of life the way of nature and the way of grace and the, the film explores the life of a family living in Texas in the, in the 1950s So it's, it's the microcosmos, uh, which is the family, uh, kind of uh, compared to the uh, macrocosmos of the, the, the world or mirroring the macrocosmos of the world. Uh, so we have these uh, several du dualities there. You have the husband and the wife. You have the, the, the past and the present because the, the film constantly is jumping from the past to the present, uh, uh, childhood and uh, adulthood and religion or God or Christianity. Uh, against uh, Darwinism and evolution and, the, and dinosaurs. Uh, and uh, dinosaurs is, is a big complaint, apparently, by the audience, although I do love dinosaurs. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a mystical exploration of the meaning of life, and uh, that challenges both the, the language of cinema and the audiences. So when I was watching the film, uh, Uh, the first time I was watching the film because I actually went twice to see it and the first time I went to see it to see, uh, in Cineworld and uh, for those uh, of the listeners who don't know what Cineworld is it's like the um, like the McDonald's of uh, cinema <laughs> <laughs> when people go yeah. to get like you know uh, 
quick fast satisfaction they don't actually go there to think so if you see these big uh, long queues to get into the theater and, and people uh, looking at the movie posters and there you go yes. you have like Jim Carrey with penguins on one side oh, and on the other side you have this guy in a suit with uh, talking animals as well I don't know what it was and pe people getting very excited about these films and all that and they're like well, what, shall we go and see this uh, Brad Pitt uh, Sean Penn movie Mm -hmm. This uh, uh, as, as soon as they entered the the theater, I told my girlfriend, uh, l keep an eye on the audience. You'll see, like on the first twenty minutes, where like uh, a big bunch of people leaving the theater, and uh, yeah, a big percentage of the audience left the theater. And the first time I saw it, and then the second time I saw it as well. But the people who stayed, they stay, uh, they stay until the end, and they, they were very very engaged, and uh, and uh, it, it is. Uh, Basically, for those who, who are familiar with Teres Malik, it's, uh, he's he's such an artist. Uh, I mean, he if you if you've been following all his films, uh, uh, he, I think he he's always uh, follow he's always been following the same kind of trend. And um, in this in this case, he's very unashamed. He's like very uh, he's not afraid of uh, you know of uh, doing things like breaking the rules of film narrative because it's a non-narrative this is non-narrative uh, cinema and it's a visual poem more than a, a film now the thing about pretentious I really hate this word because it's a, it's a word that some people use to stop people uh, saying what they think and then saying something yes. saying something meaningful and people they mm -hmm. get afraid of saying something meaningful because they are afraid of being called pretentious so it's a very dangerous yeah. word it's a kind of anti-thought uh, mm -hmm. world, uh, and I really hate it. Uh, and this is Renner's Malik in a territory that he's been exploring for decades, you know. So it's a very consistent uh, natural progression in his career where he takes the big themes for, for the, his former films and exposes them full on in a, in a big scale, uh, in a meditative visual spectacle. And I, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. And uh, it's, it's not pretentious. It's, it's not Guy Ritchie making us a philosophical film. <laughs> it's, it's Malik, and he knows very well what, what he's doing. Like he's a true and a confident intellectual artist, and he's he's not shy anymore, and he's uh, mature, and he's ready to take the next big step in his quest for, the, you can call it the truth or whatever. But it, it's a spiritual experience, and uh, re religion and spirituality have always been things that I'm not very much interested in. Uh, and uh, I, I found myself sometimes uh, bothered by some of the its spiritual overtones, but soon you realize that it's not necessarily re religious, and it's more an ode to nature and a, a, I, I would call it cynic proof celebration of life. Uh, <laughs> although there are a lot of cynics out there, uh, yes, yeah, you have dinosaurs in it, okay, and uh, people have criticized it for. Uh, but, uh, they don't see the connection. The, the, I don't know. They must have forgotten that the title of the film is The Tree of Life. You know, the, the concept that all living things on Earth are connected. And it makes total sense to address the creation of life. So you have a big, big sequence uh, in the middle of the film uh, about the creation of uh, the universe. And, uh, and also, let's not forget that dinosaurs are fictional monsters. You know, they actually existed. And it's great to see them in a, in a serious film for a change. And uh, in fact, it is awesome. And I think it makes any film better. I think all films should have a dinosaur in it. <laughs> right. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a very ambitious film. It's, it's huge. And uh, 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, why, why should the big questions be addressed in little stories, in the small, low-budget independent pictures? You know, mm. these, these are big questions. Uh, they, they can be... Well, I think they need to be addressed in an appropriate scale. You know? uh, Kubrick did die in 2001, and, and no one seemed to have a problem. Or maybe they did have a problem. But I wonder if when people were watching it in the beginning, they were like, what, why, did, why do we get apes at the start of the film? Why, wh and why do we ha go to spaceships now? This Kubrick is crazy. You know? <laughs> so I, I think uh, this is a film that, you know, it, it might take t some time to get appreciated. Okay, come on, three quarters. Cover, you're going to cover, right? Okay, hit. Come on. Nice, nice, harder. Nice. That's a good right. Let's see your left. It's the most important thing. Okay, you come in this way, you come in this way, you keep the guard up. Hit me. Come on, hit me. Come on. Come on, Jack. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me. Come on. Come on. Hit. Here it is. Here it is. Hit. Come on, son. Come on. Son, left. What are you doing? Left. Don't leave your tongue out. You're going to lose it. Left. Left. Right. Right. Left. Harder. 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 Come on. Hit me. Hit me. Come on, son. Hit. Give me some. Show me what you got. Come on. Go on. Uh, but wh why is this film about after all it is about family about life about death about nature uh, I think it's about all these things but uh, most of all I think it's, uh, it's, it's about love but I'm not talking about love in the sense of romance I think it's uh, love in, in a wider sense you know and, uh, and, and the fact that you, you can call it I don't know heaven or you can call it whatever uh, I, I think it, people are especially the richest people are thinking about heaven as something that it's out of earth something uh, up there so, uh, the, something external and what the film uh, ends up saying I think is that uh, heaven is actually here like we, we, we are here we are right now in heaven so we better enjoy it uh, mm. so I, in that sense I think it's a you know it's, it's a modern masterpiece and it will it will take time for this one to, to be appreciated the, the way it deserves uh, but time puts films in their place <laughs> anyway enough of this <laughs> and um, let's move on um, let's talk about let's talk about tricycle The tricycle issue number seven will be out on the 1st of October. And it is, as always, a showcase of the most promising new talents in arts, music, theater, film. You can, you can read for free. You can read Tricycle for free at tricycle.co.uk. Uh, join Tricycle on Facebook at facebook.com slash tricycle and get uh, daily updates. We also recommend you to visit our movie blog at themoviewave.podbean.com where you can find our episode archive and also support our nomination for the European Podcast Award 2011 by giving us a vote. And you can also find the Movie Wave on Facebook. Uh, join us and get regular updates on all the movie action. There's something for everyone. And we have at least like a thousand uh, fans on Facebook. Hmm. Just kidding, we have six. <laughs> <laughs> now let's have a wee break and we'll be back talking that about Almodovar's. That's uh, not something you want to. Oh my god, okay. We'll be back uh, talking about Almodovar's creepy Spanish thriller, The Skin and Live in La Piel que Habito. Quiero la luz del sol. 
También quiero el azul del cielo en el mar. For you, the listeners of the Movie Wave, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. On this episode, I would like to personally recommend Roger Ebert's Life Itself. Roger Ebert is the best-known film critic of our time. In this candid personal history, Ebert chronicles it all, his loves, losses, and obsessions. One of the rewards of growing old is that you can truthfully say you lived in the past. I remember the day my father sat down next to me and said he had something he wanted to tell me. We had dropped an atomic bomb on the Japanese, and that might mean the war was over. I asked him what an atomic bomb was. He said it was a bomb as big as a hundred other bombs. I said, I hope we dropped a hundred of them. My father said, don't even say that, Roger. It's a terrible thing. My mother came in from the kitchen. What's terrible? My father told her. Oh, yes, honey, she told me. All those poor people burned up alive. He also shares his insights into movie stars and directors like John Wayne, Werner Herzog, and Martin Scorsese. This is a story that only Roger Ebert could tell, uh, filled with the same deep insight, dry wit, and sharp observations that his readers have long cherished. This is more than a memoir. It is an inspiring look at life itself. Uh, You can get Roger Ebert's Life Itself or any other audiobook of your choice free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash themoviewave for your free audiobook. You are listening to The Movie Wave. And now we are back, and it's time to talk about the skin I live in. Uh, and we have uh, Antonio Banderas back with uh, Pedro Almodovar here. And Antonio Banderas is playing an obsessive plastic surgeon who keeps a woman locked in a room. She's the Guinea pig he uses to test a strong synthetic skin for humans. <laughs> Now, what did you, Susana, think about the skin I live in? Um, well, I mean, when, when I, I mean, I saw it and I thought, why does, why do you always make me watch films like this? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, uh, to be honest, I was really happy that I saw it. You can go I mean, through the decalogue. I, I do, yeah, I do, I do like Amalavai. He, he is, he's weird um, and surreal. Um, and, I mean, to be honest, he kind of created a style of his own now. Um, it, it was, I mean, I was, I was impressed. I was impressed because, I mean, he, he likes jumping back and forth um, 
with his stories and yeah. um, the the kind of boundaries boundaries between feminine and masculine and sexes and stuff and all those boundaries kind of change in his films and it, it's all fluid and it was just the thing is I totally I don't think anybody could have seen the the twist which we're not no. gonna share are we there the is no way you can guess the twist <laughs> The, the thing is, that, I mean, you could, at one point, I think, you're given a, uh, a bit of a, a clue as to who the, the girl in the, in the locked room might be, yeah. but I don't think anybody really picks up on it. You have to, I mean, after you've watched it the first time, then you can maybe watch it again to just enjoy, because visually, it's really beautiful. I think, I mean... He concentrates a lot on the visual, which I mean, to be probably honest, it's a point of, of, of cinema as well, isn't it? To the, the 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 photography, the the visuals, the the, the pictures. Yeah. You know, so so if you once you've watched the film maybe once, and you don't have to bother yourself with trying to guess who the girl is and what's the story behind this whole thing, then maybe you can watch it again and just enjoy it for for just the visuals because it's really beautiful. It's a very stylized film, and uh, the visual. It's, it's, uh, Malmodovar is always very meticulous with his, his films, uh, yeah, so he, he there's a lot of attention to detail, and uh, uh, so it's probably it's always worth it to watch watch more than once because you always get you always get new stuff. You always get oh yes, get get more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but I I, Absolutely. I agree with you that it's a non-linear cinema. What means that it's constantly jumping to the past and then going back to the present and then back to the past again, and yes. uh, and, and I think it, it, at the same time it's it kind of fl the narrative flows really well, so you, you kind mm -hmm. of go, go along with uh, with his with his story very 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 yes. well. You have no problems with it, but it's a complex story. It's it's always yes. very complex, and you know you have this network of a uh, very uh, special characters. Always very mm -hmm. particular characters in his films. But that, mm -hmm. uh, the characters are the ones who could bring the movie to life and could makes uh, you interested in the in 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 this in the story. If you didn't have these characters, it would just be another story. Also, the resolution of the story, the twist, is something like you don't expect. I, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't get it from any other filmmaker. You we only get it from Almodovar. Yes. No. I think no. I don't think you could expect anyone to think up something that that crazy. I mean, I know that it's kind of adapted from a novel um, yes, called uh, Tarantula. Tarantula. Yes. yes. But I've never read it, so I don't know how freely adapted it is. Well, apparently, um, I heard that he found it. He found it really hard to adapt. Uh, Uh, maybe because he's he's used to write like a per like a, he's used to write his own stuff. scripts, so his yeah. own stuff. So taking someone else's uh, work and uh, readapting to his kind of uh, yes. cinematic world, he found mm -hmm. it re really hard. But I think it worked very well, actually. Mm -hmm. I really encouraged him to make you know like uh, more adaptations because uh, in in this case, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the 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 interesting thing is also the the fact that the um, the main character, um, the the doctor, whatever his name was, I can't remember. Robert. His name. Uh, Thank you, Robert, Robert. Letgard. Yes, I wonder he, why because he's Spanish. Yeah, he made me think. <laughs> I he he kind of made me think a bit about Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah. 
Like he created absolutely, this, absolutely. The, 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 he created something. I mean, obviously, he he kind of you know he he falls in love with his creation, unlike yeah. the, the original, um, because what he created is is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, um, he, he, however, he is the monster. <laughs> however, the interesting parallel I think here would be that in the actual Frankenstein story, you have this monster who looks monstrous, but on the inside, it's it's hurting, right? It wants yeah. to be loved. Yeah. Um, and it's got this nice, softy, squishy interior, apart from being a murderous beast, right? Mm-hmm. But this, this, in this film, the creation, this girl on whom he experiments and he makes her more and more beautiful with every surgery, she is beautiful on the outside, but he cannot conceive what she might be hiding on the inside. He can think he knows, but I mean, you can't ever know what the person you keep basically trapped in your house might feel, can you? It was, it was, it was very interesting how, on like, it's a reversed situation with the with the Frankenstein story. She was beautiful on the outside and really, really hurting on the inside. Yeah. And there was this rage wanting to go out, but she couldn't let it. It was. It was. I. I thought that was. That was interesting. I. W- I wasn't really sure if he at all thought about Frankenstein or if he was kind of thinking about tarantula or just putting his own craziness into it. Um, but that's what I thought when I watched it. I. I, I don't know. We could say Almodovar sources. It's not only in this case. I don't think it's just the book. I think it takes from everything, and uh, he's mm-hmm. been influenced by by a lot of uh, different things. I, I think in this film, as, as you said, like it's very important. Uh, it, it, that's that that might be the the big message in the film that the way we look on the outside does not really define uh, who we who we are. So in that sense, it's very much about uh, identity and um, mm-hmm. uh, the the, import- the importance of identity. Uh, maybe not Absolutely. maybe not just uh, the sexual identity, but identity in general. Yes, yes, she was. You could you could tell like after um, when the film was nearing its end, and you could see the things she was writing on the walls. It was yeah. like she was desperately trying to keep her identity, like yeah. to, re- the, to the remind herself who, who she is and who uh, she really was. Because what she became was influencing who she was, and she didn't want it to influence who she was. It was, it was, it was, it was absolutely. I mean, there were so many interesting things in that film. It's just, it's, it's, it's very difficult to concentrate on just a few. And that's why the last last scene in the film is very important. We're not going to reveal why it is, but it's it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a very important scene. And I didn't realize the first time I saw it, and I thought, am I am I if I if I it was me, I would maybe get rid of the last scene. I don't think it was necessary. And then the more I thought about it, then 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 it kind of made sense. And it's like, oh, now I understand. Yeah. You know, the whole identity thing, and it makes it makes a lot of sense, especially the last lines. You know. Yes. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Just you know, t- totally made sense. So. Um, but yeah, the, the the doctor Robert. He from at the beginning, you you kind of think, okay, so he has this beautiful girl in his house, and he he, he kind of experiments with this skin on her and um, trying to make a very resistant type of skin to help uh, uh, to help kind of improve the health of human human race. Yeah. Um, and you think, okay, well, the way he does it is obviously not um it is to be frowned upon to 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 be i mean you know to say the least but he's he's doing it for the good right so you kind of you kind of 
sympathize with him because Antonio, I thought Antonio Banderas kind of at the beginning, even though he was playing this this obsessed, you know, doctor crazy person, yeah. um, he he you kind of sympathize with him because because you thought okay, well there was a tragedy in his life. Um, and you can tell that this tragedy influenced his researches, and he was hoping that nobody else would have to die a, a death that his wife had to go, like, and, you know, uh, um, went through. So basically, he, he's trying to help us doing something, you know, shady. And and so you can see the, 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 the pain in him and the anguish and all that, and you kind of, you know, you kind of sympathize with him. And then the deeper you go into into the film... And you find out what he was doing and stuff. You kind of, you, you you might still kind of be with him because he he showed you the character so deeply that now you know him so well that it's hard to start hating him. It's so it, that's something that Almodovar does very well. Like he's always done in everything he's made, which makes you empathize with people who made terrible things. And uh, yeah. in this case, he with the, the technique he uses is like you go you get all these flashbacks. And uh, looking at the the past of the characters, it makes you understand the character a bit more, and maybe it makes it makes you also understand why he's doing what he's doing, even though you're not gonna justify his acts. But it, it makes you understand the character a bit more. So it, absolutely, uh, that's yeah. why uh, that's the way he he uses empathy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very important in Almodovar's films. Yeah. So I mean, in the end, you kind of think, okay, he deserves what you know, whatever happens to him, he deserves it. If, if something's coming to him, he deserves it. But at the same time, you kind of understand him and it's 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 bothersome because, you know, you don't want to understand crazy people who, yeah. who treat others well, like, like that. We, 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 in some way, this is something that really bothers me. and uh, It's just, we live in a society that don't, don't really want to understand anything. Like, we just had the the London riots, for example, recently, are uh, you know you get uh, views of people who are outraged, obviously outraged because uh, it, what, what what happened it was wrong, but yes. you, you know they get very crazy, extreme reactions of people who just like they should be these kids are evil, these kids should be shot, these kids are yes. like, really crazy. People people find it so much easier to you know to demonize uh, criminals. That mm-hmm. instead of understanding, and uh, understanding is not very fashionable in today's society. It's mm. so much easier and simple just to demonize these acts, and uh, yeah. and that's something that always bothered me. And that's something that, uh, in some extreme cases, leads to people uh, supporting um, the capital punishment and stuff like that. Yes. But yes. you know, it, it, it's, it's not the way forward. <laughs> 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 Hopefully. <Yeah>. No, I'm, <laughs> No, you, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think, you know, and the, 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 I think absolutely the way Almodovar kind of goes into the character and he kind of introduces them. I don't, it's 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 as if, I mean, those people he introduces you to, slowly but surely, you get to know them so well within such a short time span. It's, it's, it's amazing how he does it. Yeah, yeah, he's the economy of the language. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. just a few seconds, you can you can you kind of kind of get so many things. Mm-hmm, absolutely, he's very, it's, very it's good very at that. But that, mm-hmm. that's his, uh, you know, that's uh, his uh, absolute uh, mastery of uh, the language of cinema. Uh, that's why he's one of the big uh, authors out there, you know. And it's uh, 
one of the the, the, the biggest masters in uh, in Spanish uh, cinema. Uh, you know, you can even compare it to Buñuel that we talk about yeah. uh, back in, in uh, other episodes. But uh, maybe uh, maybe what she did, she put uh, she put Almodovar in context, and uh, I I just for the. For the for the listeners who are not that familiar with Almodovar, just to to let them know that he he actually started a long time ago. He started making movies in the early '80s, you know, and they were mostly underground films that they were very kind of scandalous and outrageous and very rebellious. Mm -hmm. and And it was a time of uh, political transition, and they they had a a dictatorship not long before in Spain and this this kind of these films were kind of a reaction to to, to that no and to the repression or this climate of repression uh, with the dictatorship and uh, I think that we were talking about the influence of uh, different influences in uh, in Almodovar and I think the main one is probably the classic Hollywood films that I think they have a big influence in his style and uh, and also uh, cinema itself it's it's very present in his mo- his films uh, you, you get you always get like movies within a movie for example i i watched recently broken embraces and he has an uh, a kind of almodovar movie in a non almodovar movie m- made my almodovar <laughs> I, don't mm-hmm. I don't know if it makes sense but you 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 get a sequence where um, you get a film director who's uh, editing a film and you see a, the, a bit of the film like he's editing and that's an Almodovar film uh, inside the Broken Embraces film which is it's, a, it's, it's trying to be a thriller so it's a non-Almodovar <laughs> film <laughs> but it's still uh, with a lot of Almodovar elements and uh, you also get very often character, characters that they are talking uh, the, the, uh, talking to the screen you know uh, in the case yes. of the film uh, the, the skin I live in Elena Naya is looking at the at the camera is like, you know yes. she's uh, She's on the screen, and then you see Penelope Cruz uh, in Broken Embraces on the screen talking to the mm-hmm. to the main character as well, uh, not to the main characters, you know, to the to the businessman. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know this, the same in the, the Women of the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. You have uh, one of the characters uh, talking like he's dubbing films, like he's talking to Carmen Maura. Uh, by dubbing, uh, sending her a message, and uh, so it's, mm-hmm. the, the presence of cinema is always very, uh, it's, it's, it's always there in uh, all his films. I, I don't think he's so much interested in reality because he 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 already has created his own uh, universe, you know, populated with these unconventional movie characters, you know, or mm-hmm. a lot of uh, strong feminine leads, but also a lot of the uh, marginalized uh, gays and transsexuals uh, on yes. uh, from from that to uh, to the most undesirable members of society you know you get the, the rapists the drug dealers yes. you get thieves uh, mm-hmm. and i was i was never never a fan of uh, pedro modover when i remember when i was a kid uh, uh, i went to see women on the verge of a nervous breakdown i, I was probably 80 something I, I can't remember now the year and it was in the theater in my hometown and that was the first time i enjoyed one of uh, his films and well actually the the, the first time he got nominated for for an Oscar, and in Spain it was n- it was never very well uh, regarded uh, back then. Mm-hmm. It was more internationally that he slowly grew. Uh, he started building up a reputation, and then when I saw All About My Mother, uh, that 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 was like that was probably like ten years ago, and that, then I realized how much I, I had underrated him, and then mm-hmm. then came talk to her, and then my favorite one, Volver, and I, mm-hmm. and, and I was sold. I became mm-hmm. a fan. 
Uh, yeah. And yeah, and uh, now it's just you know looking forward every single film he makes. Uh, more, I'm more and more excited. But the, I think the main the main genre has always been uh, melodrama. That's what he does best. And uh, yeah, he, uh, although he's been trying to switch genres in the latest films like Broken Embraces and here in the Skinny Living, which is a thriller or a horror, if you want to call it. Ah, it's not really. I don't see it. Yeah, well, they are horrific. I don't know why it's saying it. It didn't have it didn't have such an impact on me, although it, it made me very tense. But it didn't, it didn't really really scare me. My girlfriend had nightmares all night. Did she know? <laughs> so, really, really. So uh, for some people, it's a shocking, scary film. Uh, for me, I don't know. Uh, I I I think there are uh, they absolutely uh, there are uh, horror elements in this film. It's a thriller. I don't well, know. Uh, it's supernatural about it. But I would call it a thriller. But anyway, the the, the themes of Almodovar films are always there. You know, the, I think this yes. desire is, is the main the main theme in all of his filmography. Because in fact, uh, his production company is called El Deseo, like, mm-hmm. which means uh, desire. But uh, if you look at this film, there are all the the main Almodovar themes. You know, you have the obsession, perversion, and passion, yes. and the abuse of power, and, and uh, fetishes as well. Yeah, you mustn't forget the fetishes. Uh, of of course, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I watched the fetish uh, in the, in this case. This uh, it must be the skin. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, the, the abuse of power is definitely very present in the skin I live in. Oh yes, oh yes, the the tragic mothers. The um, jumping through time—that's also very, very Almodovar. Poor mothers, poor, poor women—they always suffered a lot in, in his films. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his films, unfortunately, the the women are are, are very kind of—I mean, you know—talk um, to her. You know, they, they sleep passive. Women who receive things rather than do things. De Volver, I mean, finally with Volver, he 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 showed this strong, you know, passionate woman. Finally. Um, somebody who, who who kind of you know who went out and did things, and here we're back to this woman who who is kind of tr- you know treated badly. She's being mistreated. She's being a toy. She's being a she, she, she's a guinea pig. She's a um, she's a well she's a victim. She's a victim at, until at some point she manages to turn it all around, but. It, for most of the film, she's a victim again. So it's it's interesting to see him. You know, I I, I don't know what why he does that. I mean, I suppose he must have his reasons. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of the time, women in in his films are are mm, they are a big are they are a tragic. victim, but they are very strong. Even though they they suffer like a big deal, uh, yeah. they, they are they are always fighters. And uh, you know, I think it is part of the uh, that shows part of the admiration that he has to women, mm-hmm. and uh, he relates uh, to women uh, maybe more than to men. I, I don't know if it has to do with the fact that he's uh, he's gay, but uh, he, he definitely he, he likes uh, he understands women uh, the, the the women's psychology uh, very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, the, the character of Antonio Banderas is, uh, I think, he delivers a good performance as well. I, it's very contained, though. I, I, yes. I think maybe it, it might uh, benefit from a bit more of intensity. I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure, but uh, 
I don't know. Uh, Sotes is good to leave it subtle like that. I, but I yeah. think I think it's a it's the girl, it's an Elena Naya uh, who steals the show here, and uh, I think mm. uh, she 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 delivers a very good performance. But what, one of the things I, I enjoy most about this film is how unpredictable it is. You know, like any Almodovar film, you never know where he's going with this story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it's it's always a. a outrageous elements <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in, the, in the film yes. uh, I thought at times I thought um, it might be a bit saturated of uh, you know some obvious metaphors like they yeah. you have the carnival the clothing shop they have a lot of mm-hmm. fur and uh, uh, I don't know may, may, I, th- I liked a lot the, the style of his, his former film Broken Embraces I think it's, it might be a bit more stylish than this one and the photography was more poignant and uh, I think the the Hitchcock influence in me was more obvious in in the other film. But uh, if you compare them uh, content wise, the skin I live it, uh, I live in is much uh, richer, and uh, and the tension and the emotion is strong uh, all throughout the film. And like uh, Broken Embraces, I think the second half of Broken Embraces, he loses a lot of the 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 energy and uh, and the tension, and he, he loses the interest. But what I like about this film is so well made and it has so much attention to detail. Uh, every piece of the puzzle, it just fits uh, in the end and it fits perfectly and, and it all makes sense. And I really, I really, really liked it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I watched actually, uh, after after watching this film, I watched uh, a couple of Alma of our films, um, Broken Embraces, which I didn't see, but then I saw Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. And there are a few mm-hmm. a few things that they, they have in common, uh, mm-hmm. like the... The fact and the time I time it down is uh, uh, Banderas uh, kidnapping uh, an actress. Uh, yes, she used to be she used to be in erotic films or uh, adult films, and he kidnaps her and uh, she's tr- he's trying to convince her to fall in love with him. Yes, and he, that's he, what he, you do. That's what you do to win a woman's love. You kidnap her. Exactly. exactly. That's the that's the <laughs> that's the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, and it's, it's got a bit of the Stockholm syndrome that you gave probably yeah, in, uh, in, in this film well, as well. I mean, maybe that's why he got Banderas back because it was a similar thing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah but I mean, the way you mentioned the Stockholm syndrome, maybe I mean it has you know to do with that as well. And in this film as well, you you kind of think the the woman who's being kept as a guinea pig, the woman who's being uh, you know uh, she's she's locked in that room for years. And she says, "Well, you know, why don't we spend the rest of our lives together? Yeah. Why, why don't we stay with you?" And you think, "Really, really? I'm, I'm, I'm I, you know, I mean, obviously there is twists and turns and whatnot. Um, but you know, it, you kind of believe her at the same time. You're thinking, oh, maybe she's not really thinking that. It is, it, it, yeah. Oh, then, then, you, then you have to watch time me up, time me down." <laughs> <laughs> the the ending is quite quite uh, unbelievable, but I think I think Almodovar plays a little bit with that. You know, there's a bit tongue on tongue on cheek. I think they call it. Yeah. Uh, there are there are things that they uh, uh, they didn't convince me too much in this film. Like there is a uh, one of the scenes uh, in the beginning when uh, Almodovar or oh, Almodovar uh, Antonio Banderas is uh, doing this uh, presentation or this conference. Yes. And, uh, and uh, he uh, explained about his achievement and how he has created this synthetic skin, how they can be yep. it can be used in humans and all that, and uh, all this happens, but it, it doesn't 
he doesn't present any evidence of his achievements. So yeah. it's, it's hard to believe that everyone believes him. It's like it's just take yeah. it for granted. It's like, okay, if you say so, I, I assume you... <laughs> you know, if so, someone who's a bit familiar with science would know that you need to present evidence for, first for people <laughs> to believe you. Maybe, but, maybe yeah. it was a conference just so that he would give the news and then... If people are interested, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it was going to be banned, whatever, because yeah. he was using um, transgenics uh, to do it. But still, I mean, I don't know. But you, you've got a point, absolutely. <laughs> some, some is evidence. Uh, maybe, maybe some sort of a you know, overhead projector with some, you know, tables and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. But it, as say, you say transgenics, and this is, this is one of the things that I think it's uh, also on a second level in the film that he doesn't discuss that much, and it's not the main focus of attention in the film. But it's yeah. the the fact that um, the the moral and ethical issues of uh, transgenesis and I okay, think something that has been uh, actually discussed in other genre films, like uh, I don't know if you've seen Splice, which I really recommend. It's a lot of fun, and uh, the Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh goodness! And, yeah, uh, the, the the shows a bit of the experiments the the, the mm-hmm. uh, scientists do uh, mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but uh, I, I thought that was uh, something uh, weak in the film, uh, unconvincing. Uh, but what uh, then? You have the you know the whole thing about identity and uh, the, the another uh, interesting thing. Uh, I, I said that it maybe was. It had too many metaphors in it, but the idea of the yoga I really liked, you know, how she's protecting her inner self uh, using the yoga. He can con- contain her in that room, but he, or talk to her or touch her or anything, but she, he will never access the, her inner side, so that, yes. that's quite interesting. Right, so I don't know if um, you want to say any final words, uh, would you recommend this film? I would definitely recommend it. Yes, I mean it. Uh, it can be a bit, a bit upsetting. I think once you find out about the twist, once you know who the girl is and 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 what exactly happened. No spoilers. I mean, there's there's a no. There's a few. There's a few moments there when you just like, when you just you you kind of. I just grabbed my head and I thought, bloody hell, I mean, how do you... You cannot take this back now. I've seen this. <laughs> this is really... I mean, you get... I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, you the must... Li- the listeners are going to start guessing now. We're giving no, them the not. clues. <laughs> I am not giving them any clues. Okay. It's just when you find out where the girl came from and, and how she came to be in the room and... It, I mean, you, you just, it, it's really, it, it kind of is really upsetting, but at the same time, it, it's such a idea, it could only have come from Almodovar. I can't really think of anyone else <laughs> thinking up anything like that. Well, it's really it, crazy, really crazy, really good, though. Really it is good. really crazy. Definitely. It wouldn't be Almodovar if it wasn't crazy. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I, 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 would, uh, I would definitely recommend it. I, I, I think this film, I, it won't disappoint. Uh, it won't disappoint to any of the Almodovar fans, but I think it, it will satisfy also like the, the fans of the genre films or the thriller or horror films as well. And I think it's one of the Almodovar's, probably one of the most complex and greatest uh, works, and uh, I highly, highly recommend it. So this is it for episode 11 of the Movie Wave. Uh, thanks, Susanna, for being on the show. 
Thank and, uh, you very much for having me. For more uh, film reviews, you can go to tricycle.co.uk where you can read the whole latest issue of Tricycle Magazine free on your PC, laptop, iPhone or iPad or whatever you have, if you have one. <laughs> and um, uh, Tricycle Magazine is not responsible for the content of this program and all opinions and views expressed on the show are solely of the individuals. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be surfing the wave soon. This podcast is a production of Calvinet Entertainment for Tricycle Magazine. Find out more at tricycle.co.uk. That's T-R-I-S-I-C-K-L-E dot co dot U-K. Ferrando mai, o l'amor será o